the Banyan Tree podcast, I am in it because it's beautiful, which features a conversation between fellow dancers Brenna Vyajnik and Suraj Subramanian. Suraj, who is the focus of the interview, is one of the leading South Asian classical and contemporary dancers in Europe and the UK. Born in Malaysia and trained in Parathnatyam and Odissi under Ramli Ibrahim of Sutra Dance, Suraj went on to study ballet and contemporary dance in Perth, Western Australia. A deep thinker and articulate spokesperson and writer, Suraj's insights into the training process and pull of the art form as, quote, something that taps into the heart of the individual, give food for thought to dance lovers. My name is Pranav Yajnik. I am speaking to Suraj Subramanian. The date is the 23rd of June, 2020. Hello. <laughs> it's nice to be talking to you. Um, do you want to start with uh, maybe your early dance training? And then I think these questions will weave quite naturally into that. Sure. Um, so uh, where do I start? Uh, at the very beginning. So it all goes back to my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, who uh, was from India uh, and moved uh, to then Malaya, uh, I think in the uh, late 1930s. Uh, and so she, you know, uh, had her children and because they all lived through the war, didn't really have uh, the opportunities uh, that we have now to kind of send children to dance and music lessons and so on. So by the time it came to the grandchildren, she thought, no, they have to do something cultural. And that was the idea. Uh, and so she took us, and by us, I mean my sister and I, to uh, the local temple uh, where we uh, were enrolled in Bharatanatyam and Karnatic music lessons. Um, we didn't really have too much choice in whether we went or not. <laughs> so it was just a weekend activity that we did. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's where it started. Um, mm -hmm. And how old were you then? Sorry, you I was six. I was six. My sister was four. Six. Uh, yeah. And uh, I mean, who was teaching at the temple? So uh, the teachers, I only know her as, as a Mrs. Ayapan. And uh, Rumour is, and I think uh, there's no way for me to clarify this, uh, is that she uh, was a cousin of the uh, Travancore sisters of film fame uh -huh. in India. So uh, she set up her school. It was called the Padmini Kalalayam. Uh, and so Mrs. Ayapan uh, and her daughters taught us uh, at the temple. I mean, looking back on that now, um, what, I mean, what's your view of kind of the teaching you received at that age. I don't know how long you were there either. Um, it was, I think, quite standard fare um, in the sense that, yeah, we were there once a week. Uh, it was pretty much these are a few steps, arabus, which you learn, and then you just go into learning items, as everybody calls them. Uh, so uh, just quite a lot of fun. I was uh, the only boy in the class, so was singled out in lots of different ways, uh, you know, from being told not to wear kajal, uh, to having to play the only Krishna. So it was quite, I just remember one particular incident when I, uh, I was feeling 
quite embarrassed actually to have to go around all these sleeping gopis and pretend to steal their clothes. And I just thought, oh, this is quite awful. You know, I didn't want to be the only everyone looking at me, the only person like having to hop across all these prone bodies stealing their clothes. Um, but yes, quite standard, I think, for uh, 1980s dance schools across Malaysia. Uh, this is quite a lot of fun. Um, didn't really think about it. We got to perform for Navaratri celebrations. Um, we were there for, so my sister and I were there for three years, uh, uh, after which the teacher had to move. Uh, so she, she left Malaysia and we didn't dance for about six months. Uh, and then later on, we joined uh, Ramli Ibrahim's Sutra Dance Theatre. Mm. And where were you in Malaysia? At that uh, time? We lived in Kuala Lumpur. And you were with uh, with Sutra and Rami for how long? About a, a decade. Uh, yes, that's right. About a decade. Because I, I, towards the end, I'd left to go to university, but you know, I was always back during the holidays and and uh, keeping in touch that way. If I were to ask you what you gained from Mrs. Ayupan, what would you say? Mostly, it was fun. Uh, as 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 you know as much depth as I can uh, go into that experience. Um, we had costumes ordered from India. I had a, a green and pink one. My sister had an orange and red one, you know, frills and fans everywhere. Um, just stone studded uh, jewelry. So it was just fun getting into all those things. I think I had my first um, sort of cross-dressing uh, experience, just putting those costumes on and running around uh, home even when it was non-dance related. So that was um, maybe the uh, most fun experience to come out of that. Yeah, yeah. And then thinking with your time with with Romney then, um, so obviously you were there with, you know, uh, for a very long time, a decade isn't, you know, short by any means. What's... I mean, if there was one thing, you know, leaving aside all the technique and all the, you know, the items, but all the, you know, the material that you learned, but in terms of his kind of, um, his approach to things that you thought was particularly valuable and has served you throughout your career, what what would that be? Um, I would, the, the word that springs to mind uh, is serious. Uh, it was definitely, I don't, and I don't mean this, I don't mean to say that dance was somber, but the whole enterprise was quite a serious one, which meant that you couldn't just drop it once the class finished and go home and think, oh, I'll just go back to it the following week. We really had to consider what we were doing and why, um, because we were, well, Ramley was anyway, just constantly having uh, conversations about uh, the larger relationship of dance to society, to culture, um, because in a sense, because he was divorced from um, the cultural element in the sense that it wasn't part of his ethnic heritage. And so having come in as an outsider meant, I suppose he had a lot to prove in terms of uh, uh, putting on this Indian dance and so he had to take it seriously. Having been a professional dancer mm -hmm. himself in Australia prior, um, he brought all of that experience uh, and philosophy into the teaching of Indian dance. So it, did, it meant that we just couldn't take it casually, we had to take it seriously. Um, if, there's, yeah, if there's one thing that I had to put my finger on, is that that 
sort of encompasses uh, the entirety of my experience uh, at Sutra, that all of it was serious. It was fun, uh, it was varied, definitely, um, but it was it all required a kind of focus and concentration which I didn't I actually really didn't have in any other parts of my life at that moment. Not even school, I'd say. School was just something that happened to you, but dance was something that you actively went to. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that he sort of looked into why you were doing things, because I think, you know, that's quite, you know, you were still at a young age, essentially. And to be faced with those kinds of questions are quite, you know, is quite a difficult thing for young minds to grasp. Or would you say that it was done in such a way that it was sort of naturalistic and it never felt like, you know, you were being challenged with, with looking into I this? don't know if he, we were being challenged to ask any questions. Uh, we were still in Malaysia. It was still quite uh, a conservative environment where the student was not uh, encouraged to be asking too many questions. You listened and you followed still. But um, we were in an environment uh, that was constantly asking questions of the status quo. Uh, Ramli was Malay, he was Muslim in a uh, predominantly uh, Muslim, uh, Malay Muslim environment teaching uh, a dance style from, you know, with a Hindu background uh, to students of all different races. So the kind of audiences that went to, to, uh, to his classes and to his shows um, came from all different backgrounds. So it meant you had to ask yourself uh, why you were doing uh, Indian classical dance beyond its sort of, uh, you know, the way that it's touted, the, the divinity, spirituality aspects. Why exactly were we doing this dance form um, when Malaysia Malaysians were constantly having conversations about um, culture and relevance and and um, how to keep all of those things alive and real in this kind of soup of a society? Yes, yes, and I can see. I mean, now you mentioned that. I mean, it's obvious that. You know, being someone from a different culture and different religion to pick up something that is, you know, ostensibly belongs to another culture and is quite steeped in another religion, even though, you know, there are obviously ways to dance, mostly classical dance forms in ways that aren't, you know, overtly religious, at least. Um, well, I mean, one could imagine that Romney was constantly having to justify is the wrong word, but sort of, you know, explain to himself and be clear why he was doing that. I think um, maybe to me as a student, it seemed like he was always very sure about what he wanted. I don't know if he questioned him. So maybe he did. I'm sure he did. Uh, but it felt to us that he was so sure about uh, his involvement with uh, Indian classical dance. And there, there was something, I think he recognized something about the classical dancers maybe because of its solo formats, um, I'm, I'm presuming. There's something about it that really taps to the heart of the individual and not it's not just some collective exercise uh, that you would do in an ensemble. And there's something in there that's inherently um, divorced from what other people might think. So it's not just a, a grand cultural experience, but what is it about the dance that uh, informs the individual spirit 
so to speak. Just going back to your history. Rumley introduced us to contemporary dance. Uh, we had our mm -hmm. first lessons in uh, Graham technique and Cunningham technique and classical ballet with Rumley. So we had all of those uh, alongside the Indian dance. Um, and when I moved uh, to Perth in Western Australia, for the first couple of years, I didn't dance in any serious way at all. Um, I probably did, you know, a show for Diwali, a show for Navaratri, something like that. Um, but I started taking a ballet lesson from, you know, just went to an independent school and started uh, taking a ballet lesson. And so that kept me going. Uh, and then my cousin uh, returned from Singapore uh, and we started teaching Bharatanatyam together. So all of these things were kind of happening alongside each other. They're picking picking up momentum. Uh, and eventually I enrolled uh, in a tertiary training course where I did uh, ballet and contemporary dance in a serious way. So uh, for three years, then all I did was dance uh, full time. Mm. Um, and I suppose that kind of shaped uh, the idea of uh, doing dance, taking dance as a career. What would you say that's, you know, anything that Indian classical dance teachers could learn from the way that ballet or contemporary is taught? I don't want to say Western, but we're, we're using the words that bring awareness to the body as a, as a physical object in moving around in space. And so we start talking about things like um, warming up and alignment and, uh, uh, you know, being having spatial awareness and uh, being awareness of your lines and, you know, having clarity in all those aspects of thinking about the dancing body rather than just the meaning making, which comes, you know, quite naturally, I think, in Indian dance conversations. Um, can I, sorry, just yeah. can I pause you there? But do you think that these things are already going on and these are just, you know, new labels that are applied to the existing practices or do you think they are actually new concepts coming into Indian dance about looking about how to look at it? I, I don't know. Uh, no, it's a bit hard for me to say whether they are new yeah. labels. Yeah. I think the conversations have always been there, but the dominant discourse, we, I don't think we can argue that, the dom uh, that it has been otherwise. The dominant discourse in Indian dance has certainly been identity making and then meaning conveying rather than let's break this down to its minuscule parts. Um, th there is that, certainly, I think, in all the classes. Here is where your hand sh hands should be, here are where your feet should be, and all of that. But whether we draw awareness to those things is a different matter, I think. I don't think... Uh, maybe it isn't in the philosophy of Indian dance to deconstruct it so much. You suppose, I suppose, you know, teachers are teaching their students to feel their way through movement rather than saying, here's exactly where your arm needs to be and why and when and all, all those sorts of things. Um, so it feels, I think, uh, what, what's happening is, um, I don't want to use the word co-opted, but I shall. I think we are co-opting this kind of inorganic way of looking at dance, because simply because it helps us look at all the different parts of dance. I personally feel that the vocabulary for these sorts of conversations already exists within the uh, Indian dance uh, canon. It just, it, I must be honest, it pains me a little bit that we don't employ it more often and we have to um, start using ballet terminology or modern or contemporary dance terminology in order for dancers to be able to become aware of, you know, 
how much we turn our hips out or uh, how high we hold our elbows and what's the relationship between the scapula and, and your elbows and, and these sorts of conversations. I, I'm, it is a little bit um, I, disconcerting is too, too hard. It just, just feels like we, we don't engage with, the with these conversations as much as we'd like within the art form and we choose instead simply to borrow terminology from the outside um, and this is not to make it an us and versus them type conversation it's just to say that the ideas are there i don't think we've found the vocabulary and we this is what the exercise has been in the last couple of decades i think uh, to find this vocabulary within our own forms to have these conversations you're now 40 yes <laughs> Sorry to bring that up. If you could meet your 20-year-old self, what would you? What advice would you give him and why? I would say to my 20-year-old self uh, to be less self-conscious and to take more risks because I spent my youth just being just timid, just, just too worried about what other people thought, um, too, uh, you know, too obsessed with following the rules. Um, Self-conscious. Yeah, definitely. No, forget about being self-conscious because it's, it's, it's too short a time. We're here for too short a time. And, you know, as you say it, I remember so clearly how it felt to be 20 and suddenly I'm 40. Like 20 years have gone by so quickly and you realise that time just really flies by. And if your life is rich and you want to make meaning out of it, then the, the only way to do that is to, to just go for the experience. Of course, you know, making sure you don't harm it yourself or anybody else. Uh, I think that's where I draw the line. But yes, um, be less timid, be less self-conscious, uh, be willing to take risks. <laughs> yes, that's a good answer. I think, to be honest, I would have said the same for my, my myself as well. So um, there we are. Okay, another, another short question. Um, well, it may not be short. We all fall in and out of love with different things, people, hobbies, work. But what is the thing that keeps you dancing? So, you know, when you wake up in the morning, there's another grey day and, you know, it's the middle of November, you've got to put the washing out. What is the thing that, you know, spurs you on to put on your, you know, your bells and practice and keep on dancing? Do you know, it's, it's a painful exercise. Practice is a painful exercise. And in, in a... In, in a punishing technique, why do we do it to ourselves? I am almost constantly in pain, and I have to balance that with a lot of uh, uh, therapeutic exercises, you know, yoga and massage and, and doing all these sorts of things, in order to be able to dance for half an hour. And I do wonder why we do it, uh, because I'm in a lot of pain all the time. But And this might sound soppy, but I do it because what draws me to the dance styles uh, is its romanticism. I cannot pretend otherwise. There's something in about it that's just, just even the pure movement is really quite self-indulgent, self even if it's got nothing to do with self-indulgence, that I am just, I find space in it to revel. Um, and which is why I want to go back to it and again and again. I, I'm not religious, actually, I'm, I'm far from being religious, but I like the imagery of Krishna. There's really something about, you know, just, particularly in Odyssey, being able to twirl the wrists and settle into holding the flute and settle the, the abhanga on one side. There's something about that that's just so exquisite. Um, and you just want to relive it over and over. There's no greater philosophy to it than that. It's beautiful and I enjoy doing it. That's why. 
but it, it seems almost a risk to 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 want to say that you know um, art is there because it's beautiful. You, we're we're in a climate now. It's it's a risky to even say that uh, because it it's it has it is. I mean, all of it is political anyway. But it's like you're almost forced to say that it is political and that you are up against something and that you are fighting and uh, yeah, that you're trying to make a stance. And if if you're not making culture, then you're making identity. And if you're not making identity, then you're making beauty or you're defending classicism or you're fighting against you know contemporary. And there's this constant there is there is always a, a struggle we realize this there is always flux there is always change but it seems like those who are argumentative want to co-opt the dance style for these these particular yeah. and yeah. and i just really just honestly want to say i'm in it because it's beautiful um because if i wanted to argue and i think i think there are better ways of doing it i would have employed language say i would have written or or you know spoken or done other things i'm i'm dancing because it's beautiful <laughs>